This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. You see, God only blinds those who want to be blind. If you don't want to see Jesus is the Messiah, you don't want to hear that Jesus is the Christ, then God will not allow you to see or hear because that is by your choice. You don't want to see or hear God, you won't hear or see God. Again, God will not force himself on anyone. He will not violate man's free will. In today's message from Pastor Eddie, he teaches that God does not force himself onto anyone. God has created you with the ability to choose whether or not you will follow him. If you don't want to hear or see that Jesus is the Christ, he will allow you not to hear or see. God blinds those who want to be blind. If your heart is choosing to be hardened to the Lord, he will allow for it to be hardened. However, God's desire is for all to see and turn to follow him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 11 for today's edition of Running the Race. Romans chapter 11 with verse 7. Let us look at verse 7. Paul says, what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. Israel has not obtained what it seeks. What was Israel seeking? Israel was seeking righteousness. They were seeking righteousness in their own works. And why did they did not obtain righteousness? Because they were seeking righteousness through the law by works. No one is righteous before God if we've gone over and over again. And Paul has kind of pounded that in in his letter. We're saved by grace. We're saved by the righteousness of God. And all simply by believing, not of works. But he says, but the elect have obtained it and the rest were blind. The elect, the remnant of the Jews who believed according to the election of grace, they have obtained righteousness by grace grace, simply by believing that Jesus Christ is the Mashiach, the Messiah. However, as Paul is writing, not all of Israel, Israel as a nation, as a whole, have not found favor with God. And as I speak with you today, there is a remnant of Jews, a believing minority of Israelites, of Jews, and they're all around the world. However, there's a majority of the Jews are blinded. Now, the Greek word here for blind in the Greek is puro. Puro means hardened. And so you probably have some of your translation that they have been hardened, the same that we see with Pharaoh. Remember when Pharaoh hardened his heart. And so now, the blinding and the hardening of their hearts was because they have rejected Yeshua, Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Mashiach, the promised Messiah. They used their free will. They used their free will that God would not validate man's free will. They have used their free will and they've rejected Jesus the Messiah. They rejected Jesus the Messiah. And so Paul uses some scripture here to validate his point in verses 8 
through 10 and using, quoting some verses, some passages in the Old Testament. You know what? You know, it's amazing how Paul uses the Old Testament to share the gospel. Old Testament, he's using Old Testament passage just to confirm this. So let's look at verse 8. He says, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should see and ears they, they should not hear to this very day. Paul is quoting Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10. He is quoting Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10. But this was written way well before Isaiah the prophet. This was written also in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 4. It says, Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. And that is to this very day, saints. To this very day in this year is still, they have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Exactly what the Old Testament predicted would happen. Exactly what it said it would happen. And because Israel, God's chosen people, refused the Messiah, God has given them a spirit of stupor in that they lost the ability to see and hear God's way of salvation. Because they refused to see With their own eyes, that Christ is the Messiah, God closed Israel's eyes. So they, to this very day, are spiritually blinded because they would not hear the pleading voice of God. They have lost the ability to hear, so God has closed Israel's ears. They are, to this very day, spiritually deaf. God has given them a spirit of stupor, and that's a judgment for their unbelief. It was a judgment for their unbelief. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, how cruel can God be? How cruel can God be? Why would God cause this stupor in the children of Israel? Does he not want them to believe? Does he not want them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? How could God do that to anyone? You see, God only blinds those who want to be blind. If you don't want to see Jesus is the Messiah, you don't want to hear that Jesus is the Christ, then God will not allow you to see or hear because that is by your choice. You don't want to see or hear God, you won't hear or see God. Again, God will not force himself on anyone. He will not violate man's free will. And this is exactly what the Lord did with Pharaoh. You remember the story with Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. Over and over again, the Lord said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. Over and over again, and over and over again, Pharaoh refused to listen and obey the Lord. Pharaoh's, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. He refused to obey God. The call was there. Regardless of all the plagues that were happening to his land and to his people, even to his own son. Just to show you how hard people can be, that they refuse. Pharaoh knew that the God of the Hebrews was much more mightier than his false gods and all his gods. They had about more than 10 gods. And for every god that they believed in, you believe in bugs, I'm going to give you some bugs. You believe in frogs? I'm going to give you frogs. They're going to be in your bed. They're going to be in your ovens. They're going to be everywhere. And they couldn't kill them because they believed they were gods. Despite all the plagues, 
Pharaoh refused to listen and obey. Pharaoh first hardened his own heart. So the Lord hardened his heart. And many people only remember when God has hardened his heart, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, but not understanding that God hardened his heart because God was confirming him in his position. God is confirming his decision. After the Lord gave him many, many chances, over, over again, he tells him, let my people go. He refused, and he hardened his heart. Now, saints, listen, this principle is universal. It's both for Jews and Gentiles as well. Just as the Lord blinded the nation of Israel, just as the Lord hardened the heart and blinded the heart of Pharaoh, so too the, the Lord can blind and re- the hearts of uh, the eyes and the ears of man and the heart of, man, of Gentiles who refuse to see and hear God, who refuse to listen to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, many of you, I hope all of you, who are bold in your faith and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, many of you have experience in evangelism and you know that how many times you have shared a witness to maybe your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors, or strangers out in the street and you meet repeatedly. And you share the gospel, regardless of what passage you have, regardless of what you say, you probably use the very words that were shared with you that led you to the Lord. And he said, how can anybody refuse this? How can anybody? But you know there are people who reject the truth regardless of what you say, what you do, and how many times you share the gospel. You know that. You have it in your your own family. It's the same way. Even after you're witness to them over and over again, they have refused to see and hear God over and over again. And just as God has done with Pharaoh and the nation of Israel, he will also do with the Gentiles. For those that he shared, that had the opportunity to hear the gospel over and over again. If anyone hears the truth of the gospel, does not respond to it, the time will come when he or she will be incapable of responding to it. And it's sad, but that's the reality. As a matter of fact, turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 1. Just from chapter 11, just move to your left, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, let's look at the 24th verse. Three times we're going to see in this passage, three times that God has given them up. And it's a judgment when God says, you know, my hands will be free. Three times. Verse 24, therefore God has gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason, again, God gave them up to vile passions. For their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lusts for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And as they did not like to retain God in in their knowledge, God gave them over. The same thing, God's given them up. Gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. What are those things? being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, 
inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, discerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. They know this. They know this judgment. But despite of all this, they still not only do the same, but also approve those which practice them. God has given them up three times in this one passage. And so there is a time. There is a time. So we look at, you know, God, you know, blinding the eyes of Israel, the nation of Israel, just causing them not to hear is because it's a judgment of God. The same way God judged all people, all people. We saw that with Pharaoh. We see that with anyone here in Romans chapter 1. You see, God is long-suffering. God is long-suffering, and God is a God of patience. God is a God of love. And there is no one that has more patience for the unbelieving heart than God. Many times we give up on people, don't we? Just about a year ago, the Lord convicted me big time on that. Big time. There are people that continue on in their habitual sin and continued on and continued on. And I thought I was in the place of God. I said, well, I, you know, I'm giving, you, I'm giving up on you. And the Lord said, who are you? Is that your place? It's not my place. Otherwise, I would fall in the same place as Moses. When Moses thought he was being angry for God, when the Lord said, speak to the rock, he didn't speak to what did he do? He struck it. And the Lord said, well, you misrepresented me. You were angry. I wasn't. Those are my people. For this reason, you won't see the promised land. You see it? See it from a distance? I have something else for you. And so God has more patience for the unbelieving heart. You have no idea. So when we look at scripture like this, that God has given up, God has given up, God has blinded ears. Let me tell you something. We are quick to judge, but we don't understand the patience of God. We can never measure his patience. We don't know what patience is. We can't wait on lines. We can't stand in traffic. And we think God treats people the same way. When God is long-suffering, he's a God of love. And we, we look at the pastor, the verse of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all come should come to repentance. That's his heart, that all will come to repentance. And the patience that God has for every person, for every soul, is beyond measure. It's beyond measure. It's the same. We look at the attributes of God. God is full of love. We don't know what love is. We don't. We look at the cross. That's, that's the most we can get, but it's beyond that. We know because God is love. We don't understand. His love is just too big for us to comprehend. But when we look at love around with other people, our friends, family, we don't know what love is. We've been hurt so many times that we've hurt others. The same thing with patience. We lose patience. God doesn't lose patience. But God is not willing that any should perish. And because God is a just God, and he has a limit. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men forever. He brought judgment, the flood. And you know, when I think of God's mercy and God just blinding the hearts of the nation of Israel in this time, I'm amazed and how the majority of Jews are blind. I'm amazed how the majority of all humanity is blind. So I'm not just singing out Jews because we, how many, you know, you know, narrow is the way 
and only a few go through it. So this is not only for the Jews, but we see what God is doing. God has a plan for Israel. You know, I'm a, I just love to witness to Jews. I love to get the opportunity to share the Messiah. And there's some people who have this idea, well, because, the, you know, it's hard because you, you witness to Jews, you witness to Jews, and, and a lot of them don't get it. And I know I've been there. But if there's just one or two, before the Lord comes, I'll be happy. And people say, I want to go where the fish bites. Yes, yeah, so do I. But fish is just a metaphor. They're not really fish. They're people. They're souls. And so people say, well, why should I witness to the Jews? Because they, their, their hearts are hardened. They will not understand. No, you still share. Jesus didn't say not to. But I'm amazed that even when I go to Israel, and the first two times I went to Israel in 05 and 06, we had a tour guide, and he's Jewish. And this is a tour guide that was probably one of the best because they knew that everybody on that tour were all police officers and firefighters post 9-11. And they gave us the best tour guide in the company. And he was really good. He knew his stuff. I was his tail. I mean, everybody's bigger than me, but I was his tail because I was learning. I was absorbing so much. But it's amazing when the times that I had with him, just sharing him, what is your view about Jesus the Messiah? Well, you know, I believe you Christians, you don't have a good Messiah. Now, this is a man that has, if I mention some of the evangelists and the preachers, known preachers that are on the radio for, for years and wrote books, this guy is their, his, their tour guide. He's a tour guide to a lot of famous teachers, scholars. And can you imagine all that he sees and yet, yet, yet doesn't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah? And I say, wow, this is real. This is real. And my heart breaks because he's showing things not only Old Testament sites, but sites that are New Testament where Christ was. And all the evidence and all the, he goes to school for this because a tour guide in Israel, you have to be licensed. They don't just give anybody, okay, here's a microphone, here's a bus, just tell people this is this building. No, in Israel, you had to be licensed and you have to take tests and you have to know archaeology, you have to know history. And he was well knowledge in scripture, the Bible that we have. But yet all the evidence, all the archaeological evidence still does not penetrate. And so I'm amazed how strong this is. It is truly hard. Paul gives us another quote from the Old Testament, verse 9. And David said, let their tables become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Verse 10, let their eyes be darkened so they do not see and bow down their backs always. Paul is quoting, this is a messianic passage from the Psalms of David. David wrote this psalm in Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verses 22 to 23. Now, the table here. The table is a place of what? Feast, fellowship, celebration. Feast, uh, fellowship, and celebration. And the nation of Israel had many feasts. I just love the Jewish culture. I love the tradition. And I love their feasts because it's eating. (laughs) I love that. I love it. They have seven feasts that we find in the Old Testament. They have the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Atonement, the Feast of the Tabernacle. However, their table with their feast has become a snare and a trap to them. Why? Thinking by having all these feasts, 
at the table that all is well, that all is well. But instead, it has turned their blessing into burdens and judgment. Every single feast that's in the, in, in the Old Testament, God has given to Israel to celebrate. Why? Because they all point to something and someone. Every single feast, all seven of them, point to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Every single feast. But instead, it has become a snare and has kept them from Christ. Why? They were very religious in their practice. The observance of their feasts became substitutes for the real experience of salvation. That is through the Mashiach, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Paul wrote, to the church of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. He says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come. But the substance is Christ. We find Christ all over the Old Testament. That's why the Old Testament is important to us. It's important because what it does is the New Testament concealed in the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Everything is a shadow. We don't worship the shadow. When I haven't been home for a long time and, and I walk in and my wife sees my shadow, she doesn't hug the shadow. She hugs the dog first. No, she hugs me after, right? No, right? The shadow, we don't celebrate the shadow. We don't hug. We want the substance, Christ. Christ is a shadow in the Old Testament, but he's the substance, and this is applicable to Gentiles as well because it's sad to say that there are those who depend on their religious rituals and their practices. They depend on holidays and the celebration of these holidays instead of trusting in Christ. How many family members we know only come to church on Christmas and Easter? Many, right? Verse 11, Paul says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? In other words, what he's saying here, did the Jews stumble and fall permanently beyond recovery? Paul answers, with again, the strongest negative in the Greek, certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, the stumbling of the Jews served a twofold purpose. First, the stumbling of the Jews allowed Gentiles to be saved and praise God. But this is no new concept because this was always the plan of God to save the entire world, to save every person, every tribe, every nation, not just the nation of Israel. The Lord, again, we study this in chapter 9. The Lord sovereignly chose the nation of Israel to be what? To be a light in this world so that all the nations can see that there is a God. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of Romans with us here on Running the Race. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today and that you're eager to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to listen to more messages by Eddie, visit our website at runningtheraceradio.com. There you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. 
Right now, Tracy has some information about how you can be a part of the ministry here at Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. There's much more to learn from the Book of Romans on the next edition of Running the Race.